0: Without further ado, another episode of the Success Story Podcast. Thank you again for joining me. Very excited to be sitting down with Dr. Joe Vitale. Uh, Now, Joe is a spiritual teacher and author best known for his appearance in the hit movie, The Secret. Uh, He's written 80 books, including the bestsellers, The Attractor Factor and Zero Limits, um, which really dive into a Hawaiian practice for wealth, health, and peace. Uh, And I wanna sort of dive into that in a bit too. He's best known for his ideas on the laws of attraction, uh, and abundance mentality. Now, he uh, he wrote Life's Missing Instruction Manual, the guidebook you should have been given at birth. That became a number one bestseller. It was picked up by Walmart. Uh, another popular title, Zero Limits, The Secret Hawaiian System the Secret Hawaiian System for Wealth, Health, Peace, and More reflects an ancient Hawaiian practice known as Ho'Po No'Po No. A fan favorite, uh, Joe has hosted multiple live events on the subject nationwide, Uh, He's created a ton of following just on his own name, his own brand. Um, He's done uh, some singing, uh, songwriting with 15 albums out. Um, He's recorded numerous audio programs, including The Missing Secret and The Awakening Course. And just to put this in perspective, it's a really impressive resume. Um, But to wrap it up, Joe was once homeless, and now he is a model of success, uh, a model of Prosperity, um, who believes in miracles, and has spent the last four decades learning to master the skills of channeling the pure creative energy of life without resistance. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a that's a mouthful. That's a, but you know what? When you start to do a little bit of research into into who is Dr. Joe Vitale, it's it's a lot. But it's you know it's very. I think there's like an overarching theme about mm-hmm. all the work that you've put out there, uh, very positive stuff. And for, you know, for all the stuff we're going through in life right now, I want to understand how you sort of come to do what you're doing now. Like, How does somebody come into putting out, you know, the, the, the self-help, the mindfulness, the abundance stuff? Like, where do you come from that you have decided to make that life yours, right? So uh, right. let's, yeah, let's do it. Okay. Well, first,
1: thanks for having me here, Scott. I'm impressed. I'm honored. I'm flattered, and I love sharing this kind of material with whoever wants to hear it, listen to it, and follow it. Uh, Yes, I was homeless way back in the 1970s in Dallas, Texas, but I really had a dream, and that's what kept me going. The dream was to be an author. I thought I was going to write novels and plays, and I did write a play that did get produced, but it really didn't go anywhere, and I've never had a novel completed or published. But the extension of that was I still followed my dream, I followed my passion. And despite being homeless, despite being in poverty for 10 some years, I somehow maintained the vision and in my own clumsy, persistent, very often suicidal and depressed approach to life, I managed to get through it and get out the other side. So in summary, for me, I'm simply a guy who's following his passion. I'm, whatever I'm curious about, I pursue it. If it really seems to be something that would resonate with other people, I turn it into a book or a music album or, I don't know, a digital product of some sort, an audio program so I can share it. I think my mission is to inspire people to go for and achieve their dreams. And as long as I'm, I'm doing that, I can just keep on going. So.
0: So how do you, how, so you went through some tough times. Yeah. How did you, or let me rather phrase it differently, is the thing that kept you going, the thing that you felt sort of drove you through those tough times and eventually you became successful, is that something that you basically try and teach over? And, and, and what, is that, what is that thing? What is that driving factor?
1: That's a wonderful question. I would say there's two things that kept me going. One was curiosity. And the curiosity was, when's it going to change? Was it going to change tomorrow, next week, next month, next year? Meaning, when is the door to success going to crack open and let me in? Mm-hmm. That curiosity kept me going. And it kept me going through some very dark nights. I remember getting a shotgun and taking it out and loading it. And I was going to do myself in. It's a true story. I actually fired the gun to make sure it worked, and then I was gonna turn it on myself. And I remember thinking, this was in Ohio, it was dark, it was cold, the stars were out, and I remember thinking, what if tomorrow I get an acceptance for something I've written? Or what if it's next week or next month? And I pull the plug now. What if I stop before the show's over? So curiosity, and curiosity is available to all of us because none of us know what's happening. None of us know what tomorrow brings, today brings, let alone tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, the rest of our lives. None of us know. And that curiosity kept me going, and I'm very grateful for it because I ended up living a life that is staggering in terms of unimagined success on levels that I never envisioned I mean, good Lord, I can go through the list, but I I don't want to sound like I'm bragging. I want to sound like my curiosity and my persistence kept the momentum going. So the first thing is curiosity. It's available to all of us. Just be curious about today and tomorrow. The second thing is the vision, the vision. And the vision for me was to be an author. I, I didn't know I'd be a musician. I didn't know I would be in movies. All of these are what I call side benefits of following your dream but I had a dream. And the dream ever since I was a kid was to write stuff that would last, that would make a difference, that would bring joy, happiness, pleasure to people. And I started doing it early on. And I followed that dream then. And I still follow that dream now. You mentioned I have 80 some books out. That's all coming from my passion. That's all coming from me wanting to share. That's all coming from me wanting to Make a difference to make people happier. It all comes from my sense of a mission. So I would say the two things that come to mind right now is curiosity and vision.
0: I love that. Um, I think that when you speak to a lot of successful people, I see those themes a lot, right? You see that curiosity, that vision. Um, now let's let's speak about because I know that when somebody uh, when somebody listens to the intro I just gave, um, if if you're not involved. With your work, you hear the secret and you hear about manifesting, you hear about all these types of things. Um, I'm a big fan of abundance mindset, I, I fully buy into that. I think that if we can all give a little bit more, there's more than enough money to go around. Like, we, you know, I think that is something that, um, not enough people uh subscribe to. Um, now, manifesting, I do believe that, uh, if you're continuously thinking about the things you're going to achieve you're going to be taking micro steps in the direction of, of what you'd like to achieve eventually but I think that a lot of people miss the understanding of of how like all these different themes like the abundance mindset manifesting um, laws of attraction all these things are is that I don't want to put words in your mouth is that like the core of of the works that you do because you believe that that is how you achieve success or is that just a very small portion because I do want to I want to touch on that briefly.
1: No, I'm glad that you're bringing these things up. They're important. Those are stepping stones along the way. That is not the whole picture, and that is not where I'm coming from anymore. Where I'm coming from is what I call, and I have a program called The New Awakening, and I have a book called The Awakening Course. I'm coming from awakening. And so this is a spiritual insight into the lives we're living. I actually think we have stages of consciousness, and most people are born into victimhood, most people die in victimhood. They just blame the world, they react and respond to life. But there's other stages of consciousness. The second one is empowerment. And empowerment happens when somebody sees a movie like The Secret, or they see a show like this, or they read some of my books or some of the success literature out there, and they start to learn about the power of the mind, how they can set goals, um, take action, Uh, use visualization, affirmation, meditation, all kinds of tools. But that's not the end. That's where a lot of people get stuck. And it's kind of a fun place to be stuck because for a while you feel like Superman or Superwoman because you can now feel like I can have, do or be anything. I just have to imagine it and go for it. And if I'm persistent and so forth, I'll get it. Mm -hmm. A lot of that is true, but there are other stages of consciousness. The third stage is kind of a divine surrender. And this is where, and believe me, I know this firsthand, you come across something that you can't change with yourself alone. You can't change with empowerment. You have to surrender to something that's bigger than you. And this happens when there's a death. My father died about a year ago this month. Or there's an illness. My new life partner had was, got neuro Lyme disease and was near dead for about a year with me taking care of her or you go up against something that you alone can't resolve. I'm in a divorce even right now, which should have been over very easily because I didn't resist or say no to anything, but yet it's going on because of other parties that I don't have any control over. And so you get to this place where you realize you're not God. You don't have control of the world. You have a lot of power, you are very empowered, and these are God-given powers but at some point you realize you're not the one in charge and you have to learn how to co-create reality. And then the fourth stage of awakening is an awakening itself, that's enlightenment. That's when you realize that you are a spiritual being in a material body in the third dimensional world. And you apply a lot of spirituality to your day-to-day existence. So Scott, to answer your question, I am in many ways way beyond the secret and the law of attraction. It's a little bit like saying, hey, you went to first grade, wasn't that cool? Why don't you just stay in first grade? Well, there's second, third, fourth, fifth, there's a graduate school. I mean, there's all kind of levels beyond it. So I want people to have what they want. I want them to be happy and healthy, but I also want them to have an awakening because I think that's my message. That's what we all need to hear. I actually believe we're all here to do one thing. To awaken to awaken
0: you, you hear that spiritual message in, in a lot of different religions where you're trying to reach that level of, of consciousness and i do I do believe that um, that a lot of people don't take the first step into improving their lives just because there's this abundance of of, of pessimism and negativity that really stop people from understanding what they can do yeah. and I think that what is Tough for people to figure out or wrap their mind around is to see the full uh, path, so they don 't understand how the micro action they take is going to eventually lead to the success they want in, in ten years, and they just want the the immediate and that's it and if it 's not immediate it's not real or if it 's not immediate' it's, it's not valid and that 's wrong because I, you know, people that aren't entrepreneurs that don't go through this struggle. I think entrepreneurs know this better than anything. And I don't mean to speak to entrepreneurs in particular, but if you ever ask an entrepreneur or anybody who's a success, sports, you know, politics, anybody who has any sort of credibility in their, in their field, it's not overnight. It's, you know, a thousands of all these different. So it's like, just take that same mentality, apply it to any person. And if you want to be successful, it's not going to be the one thing. It's going to be the hundreds of thousands of things that you have to do. Um, Anyway, that's, that, that's, that's my, I, I don't want to take over the session. This is all, this is all you I you know, just that, something I that's feel passionate about.
1: It's very wise and people need reminded of that. And that's also true in my case. I've often told people, yeah, I'm an overnight success. If you define overnight as 30 years. Yeah. It is, none of us that I am aware of had an overnight success. Everybody put in their time. They put in their hours. They put in their work. And over time, they had little breadcrumbs of success that kept them mm-hmm. going but the the vision is what kept them going and the belief in themselves and the possibility of the vision becoming reality is what kept them going. And then at some point you break through and you, you reach a level where people notice your success and to them, it seems like it was overnight Mm -hmm. because you just appeared It's much like before the movie, the secret in 2006, I was pretty well known as an internet marketer, as a copywriter, because I was one of the first to go on the internet. I was considered an internet pioneer. And from that level of success, a lot of people took notice of me. A lot of people hired me. But then the movie The Secret comes out, and that thing blows across the planet. And suddenly everybody sees me and everybody recognizes me. And I go on Larry King Live twice. <laughs> and Oprah yeah. does three specials on the show and Newsweek and New York Times. And I'm being I mean, invited to speak all over the world. Suddenly, overnight, overnight, Joe is noticed. Well, yeah. so where was I all the time before? I was doing all the work to be in preparation for a phone call that I didn't even know was coming. That would say, hey, we read one of your books, which I wouldn't have written had I not taken the action to get it done. And we want to put you in this movie, which I didn't know was going to do anything. And then when I'm in the movie, it ends up being this intergalactic, historic-making film. But all of this was because I was working for 30 years to get to that point. So your point is well taken, and I think people need reminded of that. If they open their business today, they should not expect expect to sell out today. If they write a book this week, they should not expect it to be a bestseller next week. They should be doing the plugging along, doing the action steps and trusting that. yeah, planting seeds, and a little later, you get to pluck the fruit.
0: so so let's talk about let's talk about taking um taking the first step um i was i you know uh, i was reading a little bit of of the the money loves speed uh, so that's like that's your latest book and um i was i was thinking about you know how do i cuz obviously there's a whole bunch of things that i wanted to speak about in in your life and what you've done but it's sort of dovetailing quite nicely into this how do you take that first action you know i think that that's primarily what the book is about but i'll let you sort of say it in your words right. because i want to i want to build out on that so i think that's very valid for like right now, because people for the first time are realizing jobs aren't secure, they don't know what's going on, all-time high unemployment. How do you take an action now? What's the next step?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. There's so many things I wanna say uh, relevant to that question, because I wanna kinda unpack it.
0: Do it, go for it, go for it.
1: All right, well, first of all, you know, we're in a pandemic right now, and people are worried about the virus. And I've made some videos for Twitter and social media, Facebook and Instagram, where I said, there's two viruses. There's two viruses. Everybody's hearing about the first virus, and everybody's nervous about the virus, and everybody's going home and hiding because of the virus. And rightly so. We should pay attention to what the health authorities are telling us. Wash your hands, do the social distancing, stay at home, do all of that stuff, because you need to take care of your health. I'm not dismissing that, but there's a second virus, and the second virus is worse than the first. The second virus is a virus of the mind. The second virus is fear. When people fall into fear because they're watching the news media, which I say the solution is turn it off, the mainstream news is just going to make you shudder in your shoes, and they're great at programming you for fear and insecurity, So I say, turn it off. And if you're really concerned about what's going on in the world, go on a mainstream news diet, listen to the headlines for five minutes, see what you need to do, turn the sucker off. The other thing that's going on is when we fall into fear, ironically, we lower our immune system. When we lower our immune system, we make it easier for the first virus to come and visit us. So what I've been advising people is we got to focus on the positive. Jason Mraz has a new song right now called Look for the Good. And boy, do I love that message because I, wrote, I recorded a song called Look for the Light. It's the same concept. Look for the good, look for the light, look for the positive. It's always there. It's the old Mr. Rogers thing. He says, even in disasters, look for the helpers. There are people doing good things. In fact, I think the warriors of our times right now are the Amazon delivery drivers, And the food service people who are coming to our door, bringing us grub to eat. So we have new uh, heroes out there. But what I say is you got to focus on the positive. Now, this ties into what action do you take? If you focus on the positive, you can start to see with a little bit more clarity that there are opportunities here. In fact, you mentioned that there are millions of people who are unemployed. In my mind, I translate that to say there are millions of people who are about to become entrepreneurs. I think that what's going on with this pandemic is almost a divine conspiracy. It's almost like the divine, which I, some people would call that God, you can call it the universe, you can call it source, you can call it the higher power, you can call it nature, whatever you want to call it that's bigger than all of us. I think it's sent us to our room. I think it's put us on notice. I think what this divine conspiracy is, is a conspiracy for good. So let me explain that real quick. Because when people are told go inside, and what they're looking at is go inside your room, go inside your house. I reinterpret that in a metaphysical way. Go inside means go inside yourself, go inside. This is our time to meditate, to contemplate, to reset, to reconnect, This is our time to be alone, and we're being told, stay away from others at least six feet away, social distancing kind of a thing. So it's almost like we've been put on an enforced spiritual retreat. So, okay, so now we're inside, we're meditating, we're contemplating, we're reflecting, and maybe we get to see that, well, there's some opportunities here. All those times we said, I wish I had time to fill in the blank, you now have time to do it. Anybody who's ever said, boy, if I had time, I'd write a book. Boy, if I had time, I'd learn how to play the saxophone. Boy, if I had time, I'd learn a language. Go to YouTube, type in how to fill in the blank, and there will be tutorials free for you to watch over the great gift that we didn't have 100 years ago when we had the other pandemic. The great gift being the internet, Facebook, social media, and what you're doing right here, using and leveraging it for good. So all of this is to say it's our time to go within. Now, as we go within, we're we're going to get ideas. And as we get ideas, this is where action comes up. The whole point of the title, the title of the book is Money Loves Speed. It's one of the eight laws of money. And money loves speed means that when you have an idea for a product or service, you want to speedily, quickly, rapidly act on it. Partly because when you have an idea, it feels good. And that feeling good is an energy, is a, an electricity that you can use to manifest your idea. One of the reasons I've had 80-some books, and in fact, you listed this as my most recent book, but while you were speaking, I released another book, The Art and Science of Results. <laughs> and this is because I know money loves speed. Yeah. So here we are acting on it. And this is what I tell people to do. When you have an idea, you see an opportunity, you need to act. Part of it is, is just using the momentum of the energy that came with the idea. Another part of it is, I believe the universe, the cosmos, whatever you want to call it, collective unconscious is feeding ideas to us and they're gifts. And the sooner you act on an idea that comes as a gift, the sooner you will profit from it in the marketplace. I want to say one more thing, because I'm on a roll with this, and like I said, I have a lot of things to say. it's good. One more thing. When people consider action, they often say, well, I don't know what to do, or I don't know where to start, and that's when they procrastinate. Well, procrastination comes from overwhelm, and what I tell people, it's the old Theodore Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt said, do what you can with what you have right where you are. That's it. I tell people, look where your shoes are, all right on your feet what is the first baby step you can make right now? The baby step. I'm not asking you to complete the business plan or open the business or finish the book and write the end. I'm saying, what is the first step you can take right now? There's always a first step. An easy baby, kindergarten, simple first step. That's the step you take. And here's the profound great news. You take that step, the next baby step becomes apparent. You take that step, the next baby step becomes apparent. Steve Jobs said you cannot connect the dots of your life looking forward. You can connect them looking backwards, but looking forward, you sit here looking out into the future and you don't know what the dots are. You don't know where the dots are going to lead. You can't explain it. You can't create the map to it because it doesn't exist yet. But if you look backwards, you can tell the story like I can now of how I got here. But the story of how I got here is so incredibly unpredictable that I never would have been able to tell anybody how I got on the internet. We didn't know what the internet was. It didn't exist when I was in college or um, unemployed and broke in the seventies. Same with the movie, The Secret. I never would have guessed I'd be in a movie because I didn't know that the movie was ever going to be made. You cannot predict, but you can look and see the baby step and that Scott is where the first step is. The baby step, take that.
0: I love the message. It makes a ton of sense. I'm I'm curious as to get your feedback or opinion as to why the second somebody lays out the most basic of, of information that makes so much logical sense, there's almost like an adverse reaction. Like, I, I don't want, I can't do that. Like, it's like almost like a knee-jerk reaction to, any sort of movement forward. In my opinion, I find a lot of people have so much trouble taking that baby step. So I'm just wondering why that is.
1: Well, that's because of their negative and limiting beliefs. Most of us have not been encouraged to go for our dreams. Most of us growing up, going back to the levels of consciousness I was talking about, are in victimhood. And as victimhood, we were not taught to be empowered. At best, we were taught to survive. And so as survivalists, all we really care about is, you know, food, sex, money, Mm -hmm. some very basic, basic core principles. We're not really looking at going for more, partly because we were never taught that it was even possible. And I have met people over the decades of my doing this work now who have said to me, they didn't know that people like me existed. They didn't know that ideas like this existed. They didn't know that it was possible for them to have a different life or a different reality. They were not taught that. I remember I spoke in Poland like four times, and I think it was the very first time this this audience that was so riveted by what I said started coming up afterwards. And a, a young man in the very first row came to me and he said, is it true? And I said, is what true? He said, is it really true that I can have A different life that I can have do or be more and I almost cried because he was so childlike Hmm. and I realized that Poland as a country had been so oppressed and under the thumb of different powers including Russia that they just felt like they were victims they had no say they had no power so most people are like that most people haven't entertained the idea that I could do something else and I could have something else so What I really tell people to do, which is, in effect, in the the other book that I held up, The Art and Science of Results, which are nine ways to get clear of blocks, is they need to get clear of those beliefs. One of the first things they can do is just become aware of your thinking. There's a new movie coming out this week, right now, called How Thoughts Become Things. How Thoughts Become Things. Probably at howthoughtsbecomethings.com. But the whole point of it is paying attention to our thinking. We have an inner naysayer, an inner critic in our minds. Everybody listening right now might be saying things like, well, this is good for Joe, it's good for Scott, but it doesn't work for me. Or they saw the movie The Secret, because I heard this a lot, and the law of attraction works for you guys, but the law of attraction doesn't work for me. I'm the exception. They have to start hearing that as the voice of criticism, as the voice of negativity, as the voice of limitation. And here's the tip, create a new voice. I learned decades ago that I could create a cheerleader. I got a voice that's a critic. All right, well, how about replacing it or at least adding some fair time or equal time and I'll create a cheerleader in my head. And the cheerleader says, you can do it. Cheerleader says, you know what? It's worked for other people. It can work for you too. The cheerleader says, you know that idea you have to write the next book? That sounds great. You should start it right now. We can develop that. All it is is a sub-personality. The critic was formed over time, and we've listened to it and become almost attached to it. But when we become aware to the idea that it's just a voice yeah. that we've gotten used to listening to, maybe we can add another one. So these are just some thoughts around the idea.
0: I, I like the concept a lot. Um, I like the ideas a lot because, um, you know, I've – I've always had a hard time putting it in words what for you know I guess for for better or worse, I've always had that mentality that you I can do you know whatever I want if i if I do it, but I know that a lot of people don't and I was speaking to um Jack Canfield about the same topic because he's obviously big into you know um success and 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 you know personal growth and whatnot, and he mentioned a really interesting point that helped me uh, sort of frame it a little bit better when I was speaking through it. He had said that when you are not in a great situation and you don't believe you can ever drive, for example, a Mercedes. There's actual studies that have been shown that you will see less Mercedes on the road. You'll see less of the thing that you actually would eventually like, but because you don't see yourself doing it or or driving it or owning it or being it, you will, your brain will almost like self-sabotage to the point where it becomes not a reality for you. Even if you think it is, if you don't have that, if you don't remove the limiting beliefs, then it, it will never become. So I think being cognizant of those of those limiting beliefs, and I really want to sort of bring more like tangible examples to this because if you just use the words like limiting belief, laws of attraction, people just they give up and they're just like I don't, I don't get it. But when you start bringing those like tangible like there's 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 proof that if you can if you can remove and be self-aware, your mind will actually understand that that's something that you can achieve. I think that's very powerful when they understand the science behind it. We're just going to take a quick break and we're going to speak about our sponsor for this week's episode of the Success Story podcast, The Good Lovin' Bar. Now, let's be honest, we're all quarantined at home right now. This is very topical um, and The Good Lovin' Bar has released uh, a snack that is very appropriate for the times. When we're stuck at home, uh, we don't have as many, you know, we're not as active, we don't have the ability to go to the gym, Uh, we're not even walking around as much, we don't have a commute, so a lot of us are unfortunately putting on weight, we're perhaps not eating as healthy, uh, making a few too many trips to the fridge, Um, and eventually, when all of this is over and said and done, we will be emerging from our homes back into the world like hibernating bears except instead of sleeping through the winter all we've been doing is staying at home and eating a little bit too much and uh, even if we haven't eaten that much we still want to maintain our healthy physique, our healthy shape, our healthy weight. So for all of us who are looking to either lose weight before uh, you know the world turns back to normal or uh, perhaps they just want to maintain a healthy lifestyle. Many people look to keto to help shed uh, quarantine pounds. I'm a big fan of keto. I've used keto in the past. I'm actually on keto right now. It helps me maintain my weight when I'm not as active. Uh, It helps me maintain mental focus and clarity and high energy levels. Um, Keto is a very, very popular way to lose weight without sacrificing a lot of the really uh, delicious foods that we all love. And the Good Lovin' Bar is the number one certified organic keto protein bar in retail and online. And they're number one for a variety of reasons. Uh, They're the best plant-based. They have organic ingredients. uh, The best taste, which is super important whenever you're dieting with flavors like chocolate dipped strawberry, chocolate coconut, peanut butter brownie, and the best customer service that always makes me smile um, you can try them out right now by visiting www.thegoodlovinbar.com. Put together a multi-flavor order and get 25% off by, me, by using my name, Scott, as a promo code when you check out. So remember, when you're checking out, you get 25% off if you use my name, Scott, as a promo code. And if you reach $50, you will get free shipping anywhere in the U.S. That's Good Lovin Bar. so T H E No one's really matching my needs. and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. dot com, and get 25% off your first order for using my name as a promo code. They guarantee you will be loving the good loving bar, and you'll also love how healthy and in shape you maintain your body, your physique, your lifestyle as we're all stuck at home. Anyways, that's it for this week's sponsor, the good Lovin' bar.
1: Yeah. In fact, let's look at the science behind this. Uh, In the one book, Money Loves Speed, I do talk about some science. I talk about, for example, the reticular activating system that all of us have. It's in the back of our brain, and it's already pre-wired for survival. So the reticular activating system is pre-wired for survival, which means it's working. Everybody watching right now is surviving, and we're doing it unconsciously because the reticular activating system is filtering out. 14 billion bits of information in any one second, which science has shown us, and only showing us anything that's a threat to our survival. And this is why paying attention to the mainstream news is so engaging to us, because we want to make sure that we know what could hurt us. Mm -hmm. And what we want to do here is realize that the reticular activating system can be programmed for more. What we learn in the movie The Secret, the School of Law of Attraction, books from Jack Canfield, and going all the way back to Psycho-Cybernetics, one of my very favorite books that came out in 1960. I'm actually rereading it right now myself, and I read it around 1960 when I was a kid. All of it, in fact, he talks about the reticular activating system too. He called it the mechanism. So the reticular activating system can be programmed for something else. When people say they want, you mentioned a car, I'm a car guy, so it's real easy to go down that road and start talking about cars, but it could be anything. They want a job. They want a spouse. They want better health. They want spirituality. They want more money. They want, uh, I don't know, job, sales, relationship, whatever it happens to be. The first thing you do is start with an intention. What do you want? What do you want to have, do, or be? Your brain is a goal-seeking mechanism. Again, for most of us, it's plain survival. We had not been taught to set goals. We don't know anything about that for the most part and for most people. I didn't know them growing up. So the very first thing is, what do you want? And just for the purpose of this exercise and the science behind it, everybody picks something. It can be anything. And then after you pick something, here's the three steps to reprogram your reticular activating system or to additionally program it because survival is still going to be on the program. That's on the hard drive of your brain, so to speak. The first is find a graphic or create a graphic or get a photo or take a photo of the end result of what you want. If it is the Mercedes, what Mercedes do you want? My fantasy car is the 1955 Mercedes SL300 Gullwing, one of the most iconic cars in history. And so I have a vision board, which is one of the things you do with a vision board. It was a big piece of poster and you put visions up there, pictures up there of what you want. Your brain responds to imagery, so you want a graphical representation of whatever it is that you want to have, do or be. I'm considering building a house in different places, so I'm looking at magazines, looking for the images of houses that resonate with me. And when I find one or two, I'm going to cut it out and then see if that's the one I want to put on the vision board, if that's the one I want to consider all the time. So you need a vision. And you can do the Google search on images. You can hire somebody at Fiverr for $5 to draw something for you. You can take a photo, find a photo. If it's a car, most of the auto dealerships and the brands have auto configurators. You can go to their website. You can configure the car of your dreams. And there you'll get an image of what you want, which you can print out and then look at. You need an image. That's the very first step. Brain responds to images. The second is emotion. You cannot create or attract without emotion. The three big emotion magnifiers or attractors are love, hate, and fear. Most of us are familiar with fear and hate. You can see that all over Facebook and social media or in the political arena where people fight among each other. The ironic thing is they get more to fight about and more to fear about because they're focused on that. But the third element was love. So, I tell people to reactivate and reprogram or additionally program the reticular activating system. Get the image, step one. Now, look at the image with love, with passion, with appreciation. You don't want to look at it with love or fear. I mean, with fear or hate. And of course, you got the wrong image if you look at it with fear or hate. But you want an image that makes you go, oh, wow, that'd be fantastic if I had that. And sense if you can get into the feeling of it because those emotions of fear, love, hate, they're fiery. They turn the ignition on inside your body and mind and really activate the brain. The brain lights up and goes, whoa, they want that. And so that's the second thing is emotion. The third thing is repetition, which is why they tell you to look at your vision board all day long or as many times as possible. Or they'll say, look at your goal list with your image and look at it with emotion in the morning. You're freshly awakened. So you have a bit of a window to your subconscious." or at night when you're about to go to sleep, because again, the doorway to your unconscious, subconscious is there and it's opening and you get to slip these ideas through. Also, I say, put it on your phone so you see it on your phone uh, all day, print it out, put it on the refrigerator, put it on the bathroom mirror, put it on uh, your computer, your keyboard, wherever you're going to see it. And this is a way to scientifically rewire your brain. And now what happens as you go about your day, you don't even have to think about it. Your unconscious mind slash subconscious mind is going to be looking at the 14 million bits of information that you don't see. You're unaware of it. That's going around in any one moment and it's going to be filtering. It's going to be looking for anything relevant to you achieving your goal. This is why you're going to be driving down the street and suddenly pop, you'll get an idea for something make a phone call, buy a product, get a book, go to a course for something that'll be relevant to the attainment of your goal. But you don't know what that is right now. All you know is you're programming the reticular activating system to go on alert. It's like being on the Star Trek Enterprise, you know, we programmed it and said, this is what I want. And we did everything within our power to get it. And now the enterprise is taking off through life, but it's going to take us and bring to us Everything related to that bill. This is scientifically proven. I talk about it in my book. Read psycho cybernetics. Obviously, I had nothing to do with this book, but it's one of the classics of success literature. And in my new book, Money Loves Speed, you know, I love books. I'm going to be holding up books all the time. I'm a book addict. Money Loves Speed also talks about it.
0: Very good, very good. There's um there's a lot of lessons out of that, and I'm glad that you went into the the science of it because when um to put it in perspective, my my spouse is a very, a very big proponent of, you know, law of attraction, manifesting abundance. And I I think that it only clicked for me because I'm a very I consider myself a pragmatic, you know, very down earth individual. But when I started trying to connect those dots and you know, you do your own research, and I think that's the the key again, the curiosity, you take curiosity on in anything in life and you can never discount anything until you do your own research. Right. And when I started understanding that, that's when I really understood these points that you're that you're you're speaking over now, so that's uh, very very good, and and thank you for for diving into that. Um, what I, I I'm curious about, uh, obviously you mentioned spirituality a lot. Yes. Um, the one thing that I I can't not ask you is <laughs> about, <laughs> well, hopo well. no pono, Ho, yeah. hopo no pono. Okay, yes. so what is what is this? Why is that the 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 choice practice. I'm curious just about that because oh, that means nothing to me yet. So let's let's
1: go. It's well worth asking. It's pronounced opono Pono. Okay. And everybody stumbles over it. You're not alone. Everybody stumbles over it. You just pronounce every one of the the syllables. So it's opono Pono, okay. and it is a Hawaiian healing system that I made popular because of a book I wrote in 2005 called Zero Limit. Zero Limits has taken the world by storm and has really given people a very simple process for healing themselves, creating what they want, attracting what they want on a much more spiritual level. I wrote a follow-up book 10 years later called At Zero, where I talked about some of the more insights I've had. So I've been doing Ho'oponopono for about 15 years. And in fact, my t-shirt has the four key phrases of Ho'oponopono on it. Which is, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. But let me back up and then quickly give perspective here because Ho'oponopono was probably the most powerful, life changing, miraculous, mind boggling, mind stretching thing that I could talk about. And it does go in the world of spirituality, and it would be on the third level of consciousness where I talk about a divine surrender. So for me, the law of attraction, while I love it and still use it's kind of a kindergarten, first grade approach to life. Still powerful, still use it, just like I use some of the things I learned in kindergarten and first grade. But I've also gone beyond it, and so have a lot of other people. All right. In short, I had heard almost 20 years ago an amazing story of a therapist who helped heal an entire ward of mentally ill criminals by using an unusual healing method, which I later found was Ho'oponopono, and by using the method not on them, but on himself. And when I first heard it, I thought, that's too weird. I believe in magic and miracles. I'm pretty open-minded. I've seen a lot of incredible things. I've written a lot about incredible things. But to somehow heal mentally ill criminals at a state hospital in Hawaii by working on himself? It didn't make sense. And so at first I dismissed the story, but I heard it a couple more times. And at that point, there were no popular books on it. Nobody knew what it was. I couldn't find anything with Google searches, but I became obsessed. And I went looking and I found the therapist and I interviewed him over the phone. And then I went to the first workshop he was doing. And back then, workshops only had like eight people in them because nobody knew what was going on and nobody knew mm-hmm. what Ho'oponopono was. But I went and I was. Fried because I was learning about a way to change outer reality by changing myself internally. I had learned that the story of the mental hospital was true. He told it to me firsthand. In fact, the book Zero Limits is co authored by him. He and I did that book together. And so I did the research with him, did the research with the social workers, and I found out that he didn't do traditional therapy with those patients. Those patients were mentally ill criminals. They were shackled or sedated every day because they were dangerous. What the therapist did was look at their charts, and whatever he was feeling, whatever he was feeling, this is important, inside himself, he would try to clear his feeling. So as he looked at the patients and he would be angry or upset or shocked or embarrassed by by what he read that they did, He felt the feelings of shock and anger and obsessed uh, rage or whatever was in him. And he would do, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, inside himself on his feelings. I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. And he's doing this as a kind of prayer. He's addressing it to, I often just say it's the great something. One of my albums is called the great something because it's homage, homage to the great something. But some people would say that's God, the divine universe, cosmos, source. Use whatever word feels right. He's saying, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you inside himself to his connection to divinity. And it's to remove not the patience, but his feelings about the patience. And here's where the magic happens. As he erased the feelings in himself, the judgment, the negativity, the perception, he erased it in himself, the patience got better. This is a correlation that is very hard to understand at first glance. But Ho'oponopono has a lot of depth to it. And when they talk about total responsibility, as most people understand total responsibility, it means I'm responsible for what I say or do. In Ho'oponopono, you're responsible for everything you experience. If there is a mentally ill criminal in front of you, you are responsible for for co-creating it and to uncreate it you go within yourself. So this is a very cliff notes, condensed version of the whole power and story and concept. Again, I wrote two books, Zero Limits and At Zero, to convey how powerful this is. But the four phrases, people can take it and run with it. You don't need to buy books or read more. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. You're saying it as a kind of prayer, as a kind of petition. If somebody has something going on right now, look, Scott, let's just make this real for people. If somebody has something going on right now and they're struggling with money or uncertainty or with health or with a relationship, pick whatever is there. What's going on for somebody right now that's watching? And I'm telling the viewer to actually go within. What's going on with you right now?
0: A lot Feel right now, for sure. Is. Yeah.
1: And as you're feeling it, you're going to say, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you not to anybody else, not out loud. You say it within yourself, imagining that you kind of picked up the phone inside yourself and you're talking to the divine. Mm -hmm. And you're saying, I'm sorry for whatever in me or my ancestors might've created this experience. Please forgive me for whatever beliefs, limitations, negativity, programs, data I may have in me that helped co-create this experience. Thank you for healing it, dissolving it, erasing it, correcting it. And I love you for my life, for this process, for bringing me back to the miracle of now. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. Do that for a few minutes. See how you feel.
0: I, I, uh, I think that that's very, um, very important for now, like you mentioned, the correlation between the 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 psychological uh state that you'd be in after that makes a lot of st- like the core uh, sorry psychological state that you'd be in after that I yeah, can see so. being very healing as the individual I would love to and I know there's a book on it so we don't have to go too much into it but i would maybe it's just for me to go read after the the way that that internal psychological healing allowed other people to to heal that's that's the part that's the missing link that is probably very very complex to understand um in, in such mul- a, yeah. a, a difficult situation, like in a relationship that isn't so <laughs> tumultuous, I could see that if I'm saying that to myself, I could be fixing a relationship or a bond with somebody. It's difficult to to wrap your mind around, you know, criminals to that extent being being healed. So that's a very interesting. Uh, it's a very interesting concept. I'd have to I'd have to look more into that to get to get it. But uh, I, I I understand the concept at face value for at least yourself. And for lighter circumstances, uh, you know what I, yeah, that's very, very cool. In
1: Ho'oponopono, we look at the idea that all of life is an illusion. It is a projection from your own subconscious mind. And if you accept that it's a projection from your own unconscious mind, then you would not go out there to try to change the projection. That'd be like watching a movie at the theater and then running up to the screen to try to change one of the characters. That's not the source. The source is the projectionist, and you are the projectionist. Mm -hmm. It is a huge concept to get around. It's one of the most stubborn ones for people to accept because it's talking about total responsibility. Very few, maybe nobody, wants to be totally responsible. We all want to have an escape hatch. We all want a loophole. We all want an escape card to say, it wasn't me, it was him. You know, we all we all want to be able to the point what the therapist said, and this is in both of my books, and uh, and I'll just end with this on this particular topic. He would say, Have you ever noticed that when you have a problem, you are there? And the point being, you are the common element in all Uh your problems. It isn't about other people, it's about you and your perceptions, you correct your perceptions, and whatever it is that you were complaining about unravels and resolves.
0: You know, the way you frame it, the way you frame it, um, the way you frame, I don't want to, you know, keep going on this one, but I'm just thinking through, and, and I'm sort of wrapping my mind around it, listening to it for the first time, quite honestly, ever. So the way you frame it with as you change your own perception, now I'm thinking through if I'm changing my perception about how to interact with an individual. Now I'm thinking of, um, I'm putting more effort in, I'm changing the way I'm treating them. I'm like all these different things that would align with me changing my perception and my hate and my anger inside. And that, that, could be, that could be the missing link. It could, you know, maybe maybe when you start changing the way you actually treat people because you don't have that stigma against them or you don't have that anger for your, your spouse or your better half or whatnot. It, it all sort of starts to flow in in the right direction. That's that's at least that's the way I'm I'm sort of understanding it. And that's um,
1: beautiful. And if you want to take it to a more, I don't know, scientific, um, common understanding, people are responding to you and your own behaviors and language. Mm-hmm. So if you are changing the inside of yourself, you will unconsciously speak differently and act differently. And those other people will pick up on your signals. Yeah, And so even if you want to take it to, you know, other people are real and it it sounds so bizarre to talk about this because I know other people aren't real, but in Ho'oponopono, they're kind of aren't real, they're projections. But if you look at it like they are real and you change the inside of yourself, you will treat them differently. They will feel that and they will respond to you differently. So there's a lot of levels to this that I would just encourage people if they're interested to just dig a little bit. Zero Limits was the first book. At Zero was the second book. And I also talk about it as one of the clearing techniques in this new book, The Art and Science of Results.
0: Good. Very good. Okay. So let's. I just want to make sure that I, I didn't miss anything that I wanted to chat with you about. So we got... We got the, we got, you know, we got through the secret law of attraction, um, positive mindset, a little bit on the spirituality. There's a few things in in the book that you mentioned, just like some one-liners that I actually liked that I wanted to to oh. just ask you about. Um, one of them was, uh, why is money uh, like a hammer or saw? I had no idea what that meant, and I'm just very <laughs> curious what what that means.
1: <laughs> it's, it's interesting because in Money Loves Speed, I, I've got several quotes by other people that I just absolutely love. And I thought you were going to mention one of those quotes. Oh, well, that's fine. And, and I'll pick one of them and talk about it in a second because I think they're turning points in understanding money that okay. most people have never, ever considered. But as for what you were talking about, I say money's a tool. Money's a tool. That's it. Too many people are projecting right and wrong and evil onto money but money to me is no different than this pen. With this pen, I I guess I could stab somebody with it and that'd be a very negative thing, but it wouldn't be the pen that did it. It would be me. So the pen in and of itself is a tool, much like a hammer is a tool. A saw is a tool. With a hammer, with a saw, you can build a doghouse or you can build a castle. It's entirely up to you. With money, you can blow it. You can waste it. You can probably do some sort of aborted, abusive, addictive behavior and spend the money with it. But you can also make dreams come true with money. You can also fulfill your life mission with money. You can also help your family and friends with money. You can also funnel money to go to causes you believe in. Money actually is this powerful tool, a spiritual tool for good. But if you want to really just tear it down to, bare bones reality, money's like a pen. Mm-hmm. Money's like a hammer. Money's like a saw. It's a tool. That's all it is.
0: And and how do you uh, what's the best way to remove the emotional connection with with the well, money?
1: Yeah, is understanding that it is just a tool. Let me give you the yeah. quote. I told you there was a couple of quotes. Yeah, yeah, yeah do it.
0: Book. Go for it.
1: And I opened the book with this quote. It's not from me. It's from Arnold Patton. I wish it was from me because it's brilliant. And this will help people have a different relationship with money and answer your question about taking the emotional insecurity Mm -hmm. around money away. Here's the quote. The sole purpose of money is to express appreciation. The sole purpose of money is to express appreciation. The sole purpose of money is to express appreciation. When I first, Read that quote. There's a little book by Arnold Patton called Money. It's out of print. It's real tiny, um, probably not even worth looking for because this is the takeaway. I first read the quote in that book and I remember thinking, oh, come on, there's certainly an exception to that. The sole purpose of money is to express appreciation. And I started thinking, okay, when I write a check for the phone bill, I'm grateful to have a phone. When I gr- write a check for the utilities or electric company, I'm grateful to have my power. When I write a check to the mortgage, I'm grateful to have a house. When I write a check to the groceries, I'm grateful to eat. When I write a check and I just kept going and I thought, holy smokes. Mm -hmm. If we take away the idea of money being scarce, money being limited, money being survival, money being a necessary evil, and we look at it as a tool and we look at it as a means of saying thank you, oh, we have just opened ourselves to be able to receive it. It's no longer bad, it's no longer evil. We're no longer unconsciously pushing it away because we don't want that negativity in our lives. Now we're thinking, oh, money's a cool tool and I'm Mm -hmm. grateful for it, which opens the door for us to receive it. Uh, Arnold Patton has another quote. He says, we don't create abundance, we create limitation. We don't create abundance, we create limitation. When you start thinking about that, you realize Oh, the only reason that money hasn't been coming, I've been blocking it. I was blocking it because I thought it was bad. I thought it was evil. I thought it was a shortage. I thought it tainted me in some way. But now that I realize it's a tool, it's useful. It makes dreams come true Has no energy on it in and of itself. And it's a way of saying, thank you. Oh, bring it on.
0: You know, I think that the second, the second you say, Oh, I'm blocking money. Everyone's going to be like, I'm not blocking money. I want more money. But It's not that it's not that you're blocking. You're not blocking money. Consciously, no one's handing you a stack, of right. uh, ten thousand dollars, and you're That's saying, right. "I don't want that." But <clears throat> what you are doing is, you're saying, "I don't have enough value. I don't have the ability to start a yeah. business. No one wants to pay for whatever I do. I'm not charging." Like these are all things that, again, you know, I, I bring it down to a very um, uh, tangible, I guess, tactical level. Like these are all things that entrepreneurs struggle with. When they first start a business, how do I charge my rates? What what is my service worth? What's my hourly worth? And you know that if you've ever worked with somebody who started a business, even as a consultant, I I do some consulting. I've used, now I still you know I don't do it as much, but I used to work full time as a consultant, and I had trouble val- like validating my my hourly rate to clients as somebody who was a first time consultant. I I couldn't find the way to sell myself for you know a thousand dollars an hour. What the hell am I worth a thousand dollars an hour? You know what I mean? And you. And you have to, you have to respect that if, if somebody, I like that, the, the, the appreciation aspect, if you offer value and someone appreciates it, then it's fine because it's no longer, you're not, you're not, you're not scamming someone out of money. You're offering them true value. Right. And I think you have to be confident in that. And when you're confident in the value you bring to the world, that's when, that's when you can, that's when you can ask. And that's when you can, that's when you can receive that money, regardless of how it comes, job, whatever, you know, even you look at, um, you look at negotiating salaries in businesses. People have a hard time asking for more money. People usually just take the, the salary they're given, and very few people will say, I think I'm worth more, or I think I'm worth this, or try and negotiate that. And there's how many people, you know, I've I've been asked quite a bit, how do I negotiate a higher salary? And there's, you know, there's a little tactic here and there. But the first point is to just ask. Yeah. Just ask, right? And I think that people have a hard time wrapping their mind around being worth more because so many stereotypes of money being, you know, there's so too much emotion, like you said, so.
1: Well, let me, let me end our interview with this quick story. When I was starting out decades ago in Houston, and I decided I was going to be a book consultant because I love books and I was helping lots of people write books. I charged $25 an hour and $25 an hour. That's might've been the early 1980s, mid 1980s, seemed like a heck of a lot of money to me. And I, I did it for a while. And then I had a friend of mine who had been a, a counselor and a consultant and a client said I needed to raise my rates. And I said, to what? And I was gasping. It's like, to what? It's already $25 an hour. And, and she looked at me and she says, well, just raise them higher. And I said, what do you mean? Like 35? Real wimpy. And she said, 50? I could, I could charge $50 an hour? And I, I, because somebody believed in me, which was her at that point, I thought, okay, I'll go for 50. (laughs) And I'm laughing now because I've charged, you know, tens of thousands of dollars and have coaching programs upwards to a million dollars. And the point I'm making, though, is we all have a wealth set point that can be moved. And back then, because I had left homelessness, which meant I really had no relationship with money and no real self-esteem or self-appreciation, went into poverty, which meant I struggled with the same concepts for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And then after I got out of it, learning how to be an entrepreneur and a consultant, $25 an hour for somebody who made nothing, yeah. was a lot of money, but also being encouraged to go up, I had to keep stretching that wealth point. Over time, I kept raising it. Then it was $500 an hour. Then it was $1,000 an hour. And I remember I was being interviewed many years ago. And the, the guy, before he interviewed me on the, I don't know if it was radio or webinar, he said, uh, what's your hourly rate? I think it was $1,000 an hour. He says, oh, that's too low. He says, I'm going to tell everybody it's $5,000 an hour. I went, what? <laughs> but I, I accepted it. And he announced it. And suddenly it was $5,000 an hour. And then, of course, I've grown since then. So what I'm telling people who are watching is you may not come out of the gate and go, I charge five grand an hour. But whatever you're charging right now, I bet you can bump it up. And then after a time, you can bump it up some more. And after a time, you can bump it up even more. And what you're really doing is changing your own wealth set point, your own understanding of your own value. Um, and I can talk a lot, I talk about it quite a bit in, Hey, here's the self promotion. Money loves speech.
0: Very good. I love it. Um, I had, I had one question it doesn't have to be a long one, but I like there asking this at the end. Um, just, this is, you know, everybody gets this question. One lesson, one thing you tell your younger self, just one thing. There's a lot, I'm sure. But yeah,
1: that, yeah, there's so many things to say. But, you know, if I can go back in time, I rewatched the original Time Machine the other day, the one from 1960, riveting movie. And I thought, boy, if I can get the Time Machine and go back in time and talk to the Joe on the streets and homeless in Dallas, I would say, relax, relax. It's all okay. And it's all going to work out. Relax.
0: Very good. Where do people uh, find you? Um, some, you know, what's your social? Your, your new book, uh, all that stuff. Yeah, Go through I a list understand. of, uh, yeah.
1: I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Uh, I'm on Instagram as Dr. Joe Vitale, D. R. Joe V. I. T. A. L. E. On Twitter as Mr. Fire, M. R. F. I. R. E. Like on it. Facebook as Dr. Joe Vitale, D. R. J. O. E. V. I. T. A. L. E. Got lots of websites, but I have a special deal for everybody that's watching this since I promoted this quite a bit. For $2, <laughs> they can have the ebook version of this and the audio of this. I read the book. So for $2 and just $2, um, it's at moneylovespeedbook.com, moneylovespeedbook.com, $2, ebook and audio version. If you want the printed, which is what I'm holding up here, it's on Amazon. So i go awesome.
0: there. That's all I got? Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: You're a joy and a treat. I love what you're doing, Scott. And thanks for the honor of the interview.
0: No, my pleasure. My pleasure. Stay healthy and, um, and, you know, stay in touch. Cheers. All
1: right. See you next time.
0: That's all for today. Thanks again for joining me on another episode of the Success Story Podcast. You can download or stream this podcast wherever podcasts are available, including iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and many others. You can also watch this podcast on YouTube.